Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. We pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts. Bless us, direct us, and send us out living letters of the word. Amen. Please be seated. Please indulge me this morning with a little inside baseball. Many Sundays ago, I was a very inexperienced preacher. I'd already preached a few times for various groups of adults, and I'd received generally positive response and constructive criticism after every endeavor. But on the occasion in question, none of my previous experience mattered in the slightest. For on this Sunday, I was to give my very first children's sermon. (laughs) Not older children, not high school or middle school age kids, but very young kids, most of whom would be preschool age. And unlike adults who have to sit quietly and receive what one has to say from the pulpit with little or no reaction, being good Episcopalians, only to express their opinion later or not at all, I knew that these equally valid and important parishioners would not spare my my fragile ego, and they would share their interpretation, their opinion on my interpretation of the gospel with absolute sincerity and without any remorse. I did not eat breakfast that morning. (laughs) The text was the resurrection of Lazarus. It was the fifth Sunday of Lent. Easter was just two weeks away, and spring had already began all around us. I racked my brain for days trying to think of an appropriate image for this special congregation. In the end, I decided to make it simple. And looking forward to the coming of Easter, I brought with me a small flower and spoke of the resurrection of spring. I will not recount the entire sermon, but I spoke about Lazarus and his friend Jesus and the gift of new life that Jesus gave to his friend and the same new life that Jesus gives to us at Easter. And most of the young people seemed to follow along quite well, and I was very thankful for their attention. And after the sermon was over and I said, Amen, two very interesting things happened. One young man walked up to me and said, thank you, and handed me his own flower that he happened to bring from home to church that day. Well, my head grew several sizes. I will mold young minds, I thought. I will create new disciples. I am the greatest children's preacher ever. (laughs) That is, until moments later when another young boy turned to his friend, pointed at me, made a motion with his hands like a mouth talking, and said very loudly, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) 
We, as social creatures, are constantly interacting with others. From the morning paper, to the boss at work, our friends at school, the other parents at playgroup or the little league game, social media, acquaintances in the aisle at Kroger. We seem to be, more often than not, engaging with someone else in one way or another. And some of these people we hold in high regard. When she says something, we receive it with great enthusiasm. We might even share it with others. Guess what so-and-so said? We might gush. She is brilliant. Others we might reject with the same energy. We dismiss the others and saying, I'm not listening to that person. He is a dummy. We utterly reject the latter and their opinion. And after a while, these doors and these walls can become permanent and impervious to the ideas and input of others, regardless of merit. But we need to be careful of whom we receive and whom we reject. We might want to accept a person and their thoughts on a particular matter because of their office or standing or perceived wisdom or because they seem cool. And we might reject another because of previous opinions, the, a person's appearance or manner of speaking, or due to our own prejudices. In this morning's gospel from Mark, we hear a very specific story of rejection. Prior to today's passage in the gospel of Mark, Jesus had accomplished much, including healings and casting out of demons. Just before today, Jesus had healed Jairus' daughter, and two weeks ago, you might remember, Jesus calmed the great storm on the Sea of Galilee. And so with all of this recent accomplishment, Jesus enters his hometown to teach in the local synagogue and preach the good news. But instead of acceptance, he receives rejection. The people of Nazareth say, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that's been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary? Further analysis of the original Greek informs us that when the people called Christ a carpenter and referenced his hands, they did not have in mind some master craftsman, an artist in wood who made fine furnishings and beautiful objects. Instead, they were insulting him calling him a common day laborer, someone certainly not qualified to speak in the synagogue or comment on the scripture. What an odd and genuinely troubling story this is. Here is Christ, the incarnate Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, the person we worship and walk with every day. And he is being labeled and rejected because of his appearance and social standing even before he opens his mouth. And because of this rejection, Scripture shockingly reports that Jesus could do no deed of power there. I will say there's an interesting dependent clause there. Oh, but he did lay his hands on some people and cured them of sickness. I'm sure those people thought he could do lots of things. Why do we reject Do we reject because the other person's opinion is not popular? Do we reject because they don't have the right job or live in the right area of town or because they look or act a certain way? 
What great prophets, perhaps even those inspired by God, have we rejected because we were blinded by something irrelevant? We cannot afford to reject anyone or not listen to anyone these days. At our time when a society is so divided, at a time when old separations of race and class and gender loom large and ominous, at a time when our own church grapples with serious issues that have good Christians arguing with other good Christians, we cannot afford the same sin as those highlighted in today's gospel. Instead, we must be prepared and ready to receive and interact with whatever and whomever might come along. We don't have to capitulate to said person. That's okay if we disagree with that person. That person is made in the image of God, and they are beloved by our Creator. And we cannot dismiss those who might preach or prophesy to us for any reason besides the validity of their point of view. Some may not be worth much at the time. Some may start an interesting conversation. Some might give a needed kick in the pants, like the one I received from that little parishioner many years ago. And some, some might actually entertain the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. For wisdom comes in all shapes and sizes, from the most respected to the smallest child, and the Spirit inspires them all. And if we listen, perhaps even Christ himself will come and teach us. Amen.